Hey everyone, Neil here. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that this episode of Shot by Shot is brought to you by Filmstruck. We're huge fans of Filmstruck here at uh, One Perfect Pod. Did you know that you can now stream critically acclaimed films and cult favorites from the world's greatest film libraries with Filmstruck? It's also now available on Roku. Filmstruck is the streaming service for fans of great cinema and the exclusive streaming home of the Criterion Collection. Filmstruck brings you a wealth of independent and foreign titles updated weekly, along with original bonus material and expert commentary. And did I mention it's now available on Roku? You can start your free trial today, free 14-day trial, if you go to filmstruck.com. And now, over to Perry and Jeff. Good day, film fans, and welcome again to another episode of Shot by Shot, the official cinematography podcast of One Perfect Shot and Film School Rejects. As always, I'm one of your hosts, H. Perry Horton, and with me is my good buddy, Jeff Todd, founder of OPS. Today, we're going to be talking about the cinematography in Tim Burton's 1992 flick, Batman Returns, which was shot by Stefan Zapsky. In terms of sequels, uh... And, you know, and this Batman's Returns is a little more standalone than it is a direct sequel. But uh, where, where does Batman Returns rank for you in the in the terms of in terms of great sequels? Uh, in terms of great sequels, I don't know. In terms of uh, because the movie is so weird, you know, it's so odd. It's very Tim Burton, um, and it's his interpretation yeah. of the the Batman universe and the Batman universe that Tim Burton thinks exists. Isn't the Batman universe that exists. You know what I mean? So it's a very, uh, skewed interpretation of Batman. And I love the first Batman film and I love Batman returns even more. I watch it every single Christmas. Um, the first Batman was the first Mm -hmm. film I saw by myself. I rode my bike to go see it. So they, they both mean something to me, but they're both very flawed films. And I was, uh, you know, I was a comic book kid growing up. I was really into Batman. And yeah, I was really I was into too. Spider-Man. And I collected all the titles related to that. Um, So, you know, on one hand, I was always kind of disappointed with Tim Burton's Batman because it was the first big budget break that he got. And I thought it could have been mm-hmm. so much more faithful to the comic. But once you start realizing that it's just Tim Burton's idea and you kind of go along for the ride, it tends to, you know, it works so much better. And I still love it despite, you know, I think The Dark yeah. Knight is the greatest superhero film that's ever been made. And it's the best shot superhero film by far. I think Logan has recently yes. given The Dark Knight a run for its money in terms of cinematography. But Batman Returns is right there. Um, Batman, I, I think it's the better shot of, of, of the Burton Batman films. Oh, so do I. You know what's weird? I was thinking about this when I was re-watching it. Um, the, the first film, I gotta say this, this was fucking weird, is I put on Batman last Friday, and uh, I put it on at like just after noon, and I realized when it was over... Because it was a, it was the uh, like 28th or 27th anniversary of, of Batman on Friday, uh-huh. last Friday... And it occurred to me that I would have been watching it at the exact same time 28 years ago. Oh, you got a matinee? You caught a matinee? Uh, yeah, I caught a matinee because it was a, like I rode my bike to the, the first screening of it. Oh, right, right. So and it was just, it was a fucking trip. It was just one of those times where it's just like, wow, that's 
odd. Uh, no, I'm fucking old. But uh, yeah, exactly. I'm tw- I was 28 years younger at that time. Uh, now I have a mortgage and two fucking kids. <laughs> um, but uh, the cinematography in Batman is more, I think, ambitious, and they get more angles that are that would be familiar to somebody that reads comic books. You know those kind of canted shots yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Um, and but I think they're largely getting those shots because the suit itself was so restrictive. So they couldn't get a lot of movement out of Keaton. So instead, they they got the movement out of the camera. And in Batman Returns, the suit was more comfortable. It had more movement. He had more flexibility. And as a result, the camera is um, less ambitious than it is in Batman. But it still is uh, is better because what they do get is just magnificent. Yeah, it's a little more it's a little more graceful in in Batman Returns. I, you know, both of these movies are so heavily influenced by by German expressionism. You know, in in, in the cinematography and the and production design especially. But I feel like that's sort of the distinction is that for for the reasons you mentioned in Batman, the cinematography has to be more expressionistic. Uh, and because of the advances they make in the suit and, and just the ease of, of knowing their way around the set and whatnot, Batman Returns is more of a classical, almost epic style cinematography. It's not as, you know, purposely off-putting. Um, and, I, and I think that sort of makes, makes it slightly better. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, um, Stephen, uh, Stefan Zapsky, uh, who is a cinematographer for Batman Returns, is very much a Tim Burton guy you know he did uh edward scissorhands uh, batman returns ed wood but then after that it seems like when he's not working with burton his films become very um ordinary not good i think <laughs> is the phrase you're looking for yeah. i mean let's just call it like it is he's a great he's a great cinematographer but i mean it, it's it's when you look at this stuff when you look at his his timeline there's you know his stuff with Errol Morris is really great he shot sure. the Thin Blue Line yep. and Brief History yep. Time and then Morris's narrative debut right. but the rest of this stuff is again and we we've said this before about cinematographers we've talked about it's just a little journeyman you know mm-hmm. it's it's a little all over the place which is it's weird for him of, though because Ed Wood had so much acclaim and it won so many awards and I think he won so many industry awards. Um, yeah, was he? I, I don't know if he was nominated for that. I don't think he was. I don't think he was. But there's also a, yeah, there's there's obviously something that went on. There's a there's a big gap in his filmography. There, it's it's the biggest, truthfully, um, because he makes Ed Wood in '94. He makes Matilda in '96. <laughs> Bulletproof um, Monk, a Chow Yun but fan. Yeah, yeah, but that's seven years later. Seven so years between, later, yeah. And between '96 and 2003, he didn't shoot anything. Yeah, which I mean, Safe's a cool-looking movie. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's certainly the most daring in that group there. Sure. Um, and and I didn't like fighting as a movie, but I'll, I'll concede that some of the the you know the action cinematography was was really well done. Mm-hmm. The guy's got chops. We oh, all know he's got yeah. chops. I mean, just I mean like Ed this, Wood. Ed Wood has some of my favorite cinematography of all time. Yeah, and between Batman Returns and Edward Scissorhands, like this guy was was ma- one of the main cinematographers of, of my childhood. I mean, like this guy shaped what my adolescence looked like. My well, parents, and thank not you only for your that. adolescence, but he shaped what a lot of people think of Burton. When they think of the Burton aesthetic, they're thinking of Zapsky's <laughs> work. I'm specifically thinking of Batman Returns every single time I yep. think of the Burton aesthetic. That is that is what I think of. I absolutely. think of Batman Returns. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so so really what I am thinking of is the is the Zapsky aesthetic. Right. As translated by Burton. It's like a lot of spectacular work and a lot of I have to make a living work. And unfortunately those are 
two different things sometimes. It's not a great filmography. It's not a great filmography. We did someone. We did. I, I'm, I'm not. I don't remember who it was, but we did someone a couple of weeks ago where it was the same way. Like they had worked with the director, and all the stuff they'd done with the director was phenomenal. And then the rest, it was just like, what the fuck are you doing directing? Like, I, I think it was Peter Deming. Oh fuck! I think it was Deming for Mulholland yeah. Drive. Yeah, he had worked with Lynch, and then outside of Lynch, the rest of it was just sort of, you know, it was certainly better than what we're looking at here. But it was, you know, just a little all over the place, a little more. Like I said, Journeyman just sort of wrote right. films you don't think of for their cinematography right. as opposed to you know why we're here films that cinematography is one of the standout facets yeah and i think that's important though because you know the, this podcast is about shining the light on both successful cinematographers and cinematographers who have made great work kind of despite what you think their filmography may represent or or suggest <laughs> and Zapke's one that's exactly films. right that's exactly right. I mean, he's he's not going to be one of the first names that comes up when people start listing great cinematographers, but he's he needs to be on the list because he's he's done some great great work here, and and you know that's we're going to talk about some of that great fucking work right now. Where does your um your where does Batman Returns fall in the Batman universe of films? In the Batman universe of films, um, okay, well, it's my favorite Burton. So that puts it over Batman. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the Schumacher, so it puts it's it over them. Burton period? Uh, no, no, no. It's my favorite oh, of the Burton Batmans. Of the Batmans. Okay. Um, so that puts it over, it puts it over Batman. Uh, it, it's over both the Schumachers. Um, <laughs> that's a given. That's yeah, a given. That's, that's a given. <laughs> um, <sighs> I actually watch those. I marathoned all the fucking Batman movies before our, our podcast. So all I, of I, them. I am, I am freshly Schumachered. Jesus. <laughs> Get a towel. Uh, yeah. I don't... <laughs> I have a hard time figuring out where I place it among the, the Nolans because they're they're so thematically different. Yeah, it's apples and oranges, isn't it? It, it is. It's really tough to compare them because I have to go by enjoyability. And yep. so I think by sheer enjoyability, I put it at number two behind The Dark Knight. I would too. Yep, I'm right there I, with I, I think that's where it goes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoy the story of Batman Begins more, but I don't enjoy Batman Begins as much as I enjoy Returns. Yeah, and I think that both Batman and Batman Returns are more faithful to themselves as films than Christopher Nolan's Batmans. Because Christopher yes. Nolan's Batmans, for me, always shit the bed in the third act. Yes, And they it do. drives me fucking they do. nuts. They do. And the third one just shits the bed completely, right? Completely. I mean, that, that movie's just not... It's not, it, good. It's, not it's not a great film, but no. those first two movies, like their, their endings are so... Uh, just kind of haphazard. I agree with you that. Know, there's I agree with that. It, it, it kind of crumbles a little bit. What's that? It, they kind of crumble a little bit. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I don't think, you know, Batman and Batman Returns are just more, um, they're more confident films, I think. They are. But you're right. They're also uh, more. From a, you know, and I don't want to say that because that suggests that there's something wrong with The Dark Knight. I, I don't, I think no, the Dark there's Knight, not. Yeah. The Dark Knight is an amazing movie. It just has kind of the last 15 minutes or so don't yeah. don't necessarily work for me. You know? No, no, me either, me either. And I think that's why it's tough to compare. Well, I think that's one of yeah. the reasons that it's tough it, to compare it's these movies. Yeah, this, just, the Burton movies are so complete unto themselves. Yeah, exactly. It's, exactly. it's why the Schumacher films are so terrible, because it's someone else trying to build on top of that world, and you can't. You're, 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 you're not good enough to. I'm sorry, Mr. Schumacher. He, he, I Schumacher love DC Cat. <laughs> I love Lost Boys. <laughs> yeah, Lost uh, Boys forever. The um, the Schumacher movies are weird because they had set Batman up 
as or they had established the look and aesthetic that people would think of when they saw Batman. And it was just the antithesis of that. Batman was was dark and moody and this was bright and funny and you know and zany and you know it it was the tv show it was the batman the adam west batman they couldn't they couldn't fully reboot no they were we we weren't in a reboot culture at that time they 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 would we were in a culture that would much rather just forge ahead and try to reconcile than completely reboot yeah and it's too bad because i think val kilmer could have been a he could have been a great batman i liked him just fine I yeah. liked him just fine. It's one of my favorite Nicole Kidman roles from that era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's uh, kind of fun. She's fun. She's fun. Yeah, she's fun. I, I, you know, I like her more than. I don't. I don't remember who the other one was. Jim Carrey. Oh, Jim Carrey or Drew oh. Barrymore or God, fuck me, Tommy Lee Jones. That yeah. shit was terrible. It should have oh. been. If you were going, it's the most egregious quite frankly racist thing that has ever been done in movies in the 90s well you know what probably not at all but not allowing <laughs> billy d williams not allowing billy d williams to continue as two-face in batman forever is fucking rude yeah that's how it, it should have been set up it should have been set up with with billy d it should have been. I always thought the Batman universe should have been run like the Bond universe, where you bring in all the supporting... The supporting characters always come back, the lead just changes. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And they did it with Alfred. Yeah, Michael Goh, and then uh, Pat Hingle as Commissioner Gordon. It was great. It, well, yeah, exactly. And it, and it works so well, because he knows, he knows what the role is. But I will say that Batman was the first film where I was like... I remember getting mad at the casting of, of Michael Keaton. Like, this is not going to work. This is not who I want as Batman. That was the first time I, I ever experienced uh, casting backlash. I think if you were a comic book, if you were a Batman-loving... I was a comic book guy. I was a Batman guy. See, Michael Keaton as Batman never... I never would have thought that would have worked. And it works better than you could possibly imagine. It works It works so well. It works so unbelievably well. And I will say, He's, that's what I love about Batman Returns. And, and it's this, it's the thing that a lot of people hate about Batman Returns. And I feel like, and I'm going to say it, 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 I think it's why people hate Ghostbusters 2 as well. Because it spends more, times with, more time with the characters than with the, uh, the action. Than with the story. You get more yeah. Bruce Wayne than you get Batman. Um, and I was fine with that because I found him to be fascinating. And I love the scenes between Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle. Uh, it's just the dialogue is the dialogue in Batman Returns has this Howard Hawks kind of rhythm to it. It's real oh, snappy. Yeah. Yeah. It's full of one liners. Whereas, uh, you know, kind of the Joker in the first film got all the good one liners. They're they're kind of equally distributed here. Um, in fact, one of my yeah, favorite there's scenes, no back and forth. In there's the first one like there should be. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, that scene in Max Shrek's office when Bat when uh, Bruce Wayne first meets Selina Kyle and he's he's getting flustered. Oh, yeah, you're oh, right. That's, that's a that's a vintage key. That's a Cary Grant Rosalind Russell moment. That is, yeah, that's straight out of His Gal Friday. It's oh, just, yeah, it's, yeah. It's beautiful. Absolutely it's beautiful. I'm pushing this power plant now because it'll cost more later. A million saved is a million earned. I commissioned this report. I thought you might want to take a look at it. Point is, Max, Gotham City has a power surplus. I'm sure you know that. My question is, what's your angle? Power surplus, Bruce. Shame on you. No such thing. One can never have too much power. If my life has a meaning, that's the meaning. Yeah, well, 
I'm going to fight you on this, and I've already spoken to the mayor, and we see eye to eye. Mayors come and go. Blue bloods tire easy. You think you could go 15 rounds with Mohammed Shrek? Well, I guess we're going to find out. Of course, I don't have a crime boss like Cobblepot in my corner, so it might... Crime boss? Shows what you know, mister. To the manor born with a silver spoon. Oswald is Gotham's new golden boy. If his parents hadn't 86 him, you two might have been bunkies at prep school. Oswald controls the Red Triangle gang. I can't prove it yet, but we both... Wayne, I'll not stand for mudslinging in this office. If my assistant was here, she already would have escorted you out to... Anywhere he wants. Preferably some night spot, grotto, or secluded hideaway. Nice suit. Nice. Selena. Selena, Selena. <laughs> That's my name, Maximilians. Don't wear it out or I'll make you buy me a new one. Selena. This is Bruce. Wayne. Yeah, we've met. Have we? Oh, I'm sorry. You know what? I mistook me for somebody else. Sorry. You mean mistook me? I mistook me. Yeah, yeah. That's what I, isn't that what I said? No, I don't think so. Yeah, it just has that, it, it just has that rhythm, man. It just, I don't know. It just, it, it works on a level that the first one just, it just doesn't. And these two have better chemistry than, than Keaton and, and ba- Basinger did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it seems more real. There's more, um, I think, trust between the two. Um, yeah. And it's, it's just more interesting. Um, Kim Basinger yeah, is just dude, not, I don't know. She's never really she's, worked for she's me. She's never really, yeah. She's kind of she's, she's, stiff, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say a little two-dimensional for, for, for me. Um, but Michelle Pfeiffer, I mean, come on, man. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer. That's all. That's all you need to say. That's all Michelle you Pfeiffer, need to say. Man. It's all communicated there. Michelle Pfeiffer, man. But yeah, man, let's take a quick break. Check out the trailer for Batman Returns, and we'll be right back to talk about our favorite shots from the film. Now you can stream critically acclaimed films and cult favorites from the world's greatest film libraries with Filmstruck. Now available on Roku, Filmstruck is the streaming service for fans of great cinema, and is the exclusive streaming home for the Criterion Collection. Filmstruck brings you a wealth of independent and foreign titles updated weekly along with original bonus material and expert commentary and did i mention it's now available on roku start your free 14-day trial today at filmstruck.com i've been down here too long it's time for me to ascend from the sewers of gotham a new villain emerges
while she craves a romance she can sink her claws into. You're a cat now to a girl like me. He plots a foul reign of destruction. My dear penguins, thanks to Batman, the time has come to punish all of them! You know what? For my first shot, I, I went with something that uh, is, is pretty basic, but pretty iconic. Uh, I think it's uh, it's one of the more emblematic Batman shots from this particular series, and it's the one in which Bruce is at home, uh, and the bat signal comes on, and he looks up to the sky. And so, what you get is Bruce in the bottom left quadrant of the of the frame, and the bat signal reflected back on him. And he's in the bottom, and it's all behind him, looming on his wall. And of course, you know, this says the obvious things about. The Batman personality overshadowing the Bruce Wayne personality, especially because it's a covering his face and then B, you know, it's 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 in his home. It's you know, which of course is built on top of his real home, the cave. It's just a really nice use of the lighting here in, a, in an unexpected way because so much of the the light in the Tim Burton Batman's is is chiaroscuro and it's almost you know it's almost noir esque and like we said, German expressionistic. It's it's more based on shadow. You don't get a lot of full on light. In this one, you just he's got his whole face just washed in the light and he is looking up to the bat signal to his purpose and it's just so so much i think of the batman mythos kind of plays with the idea of batman as being sort of a curse on bruce wayne it's sort of this this thing he can't shake this grief he can't get over but i think in a lot of ways we forget that that batman also saved bruce wayne um it also stopped him from being just another victim it stopped him from being just another pretentious playboy it stopped him from being just another you know anyone and it, it, it changed him into someone exceptional for, for all the you know the, the peril and, and mental fraughtness that comes with that you know ultimately i think batman saves bruce wayne and i think that's what this shot says to me that's a romantic interpretation of that shot well you know me <laughs> oh man do you think he was thinking when the light flashes on him there when he's kind of rubbing his lips he was thinking man that cape really is impractical <laughs> <laughs> i should have just stayed with the jumpsuit <laughs> It should have just been a onesie with a zipper. Oh, why is everything rubber? <laughs> you know what's funny is my shot, uh, first favorite shot, is is just after this when he stands up. Uh, and you get that long shot of him standing in that in that kind of great room. Uh -huh. as the bat signal hits the back of the wall and we see Bruce Wayne standing there in profile. He's dwarfed by that bat signal, but he's still in front of it. And it always, yeah. to me, has kind of suggested that that Batman is bigger than Bruce Wayne. That's kind of obvious. Yeah. But Wayne is still in control. You know, in the first film, it's it's he's really struggling with that duality, and he's also kind of 
you know, pestered by right. the repressed memories and everything. But in this shot, he's standing in front of the bat signal, so he has control. He's confident now. Right. Yeah. You I know, mean, he's not the one who is controlled by. Um, the past doesn't dictate how he is today. He's becoming Batman in Batman, and Batman Returns. He is Batman. Right. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that sets up my second shot. Um, so my second shot is the most was well, I should say was the most popular shot of all time on One Perfect Shot, um, <laughs> which is the medium close up of Catwoman as she peers into the department store window, and uh, the logo for the company is this cat. Uh, it kind of looks like Felix the cat, and. It's really a literal representation of what we're seeing, and that's kind of always been hilarious to me, but it's also a counter to the first shot that I talked about. Wayne's, um, you know, she's framed, or she's defined by Catwoman, and she sees herself at this time only as that character. If the first shot is this commentary on Wayne and Batman, the second shot is really the uh, dominance of Catwoman in the psyche of selena kyle there's no duality at least for now so she's in back of the the cat face you know she's hiding she behind is, catwoman yeah she's buried in the persona of catwoman whereas yeah, was, yeah she's not you know it, it, it's dominating her in a way that batman isn't dominating right wayne necessarily and i mean and, and that shows in the fact that selena can't turn it off Bruce Wayne can go to a party and be aloof, yep. but when yep. she goes back to work or whatever, she can't shake the Catwoman persona. No, yeah, and we see that even at the dance, you know, mm -hmm. when, they, when they're mm -hmm. discovering the, the, each other's identities. So, uh, no hard feelings, Actually, semi-hard, I'd say. What do you say? We take off our costumes. I guess I'm tired of wearing masks. Me too. Let me ask you something. Mm -hmm. Why'd you come tonight? You first. See you. That's lovely. And I really wish I could say the same, but I came from Max. Not you and Max. <laughs> Me and Max. <laughs> no. no, this and Max. Now, don't give me a killing Max won't solve anything speech because it will. Aren't you tired of this sanctimonious Robert Baron always coming out on top when he should be six feet under? I'm sure you have a lot of problems with your boss, but I mean, who the hell you think you are? I don't know anymore, Bruce. <laughs> It's under the mistletoe. You know, mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. I guess it can be even deadly.
Oh, my God. Does this mean we have to start fighting? Let's go outside. Um, you know, she's never, she's nervous there. She's nervous when she first comes over to the house. She's nervous. Yeah, she's a nervous wreck at the office. Um, but yeah, it's just, and it's always struck me that, that, that this is the most popular shot or was the most popular shot because it's such a simple shot, but it's so goddamn playful. It's a really, it's, it's really emblematic of the tone of the, of the Burton mm-hmm. Batman movies. Like it's, it's, it's sly. It's a little tongue in cheek. It's a little in your face. It's just, right. it's, it's nicely balanced, just the right amount of humor and, and done the right way. Exactly, and that's what the Schumacher films get wrong. Is yes. they don't understand humor in small doses or subtlety. It's, it's humor everywhere, or or, or yeah, fuck, it, yeah. They know nothing of subtlety. <laughs> it's like subtlety dies of loneliness in the in the Schumacher. They universe. beat it with neon colored baseball bats in front of us I, for ninety minutes. I mean, if you think of the, the the penguin is this character who is you know has a. A penguin army. He has giant rubber duckies or you know <laughs> duck vehicles. Like it, it's ridiculous, but it never takes on the. It's always it's ridiculous, but it's menacing. Yeah, and it's, it's yeah. dark humor. It's dark humor versus the the in your face right neon right. light humor of and that's the key. It's 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 ridiculous in a disturbing fashion. Right. It's unnerving. It's that kind of ridiculous. It's not, yeah, just a bunch of dudes with Dago paint on their faces. <laughs> yeah, that was weird, man. Batman Damn that scene. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the, um, the Batman Returns, though, man, it's just... Uh, there's so much in this movie that shouldn't work. And I always, you know, I always wonder, is there going to be a point in time where this movie... Where, you know, time starts to be unkind to the movie because mm-hmm. we all have those movies that, that we build up kind of in our childhood. And then for whatever reason, it just doesn't it seems to stop working. And Batman Returns always kind of flirts with that ridiculousness. You but know, I mean, it, it, it's almost like it's testing you throughout yeah, the whole yeah. entire film. I mean, um, I think I think Burton's certainly pushing the limits to see how far a, a very major studio will let him go. Right. Well, and he didn't want to do this movie. You know, it was only after several rewrites that they. Eventually yeah, he didn't want to do on. a sequel. Yeah, which is why it's more Ed standalone. Wood, or not Ed Wood, but when he did uh, Edward Scissorhands, I think that was the time when the studio wanted him to be doing the the Batman. The sequel. Batman sequel, and then yeah, yeah I, I, it went so this went through so many versions of a script. Yeah. Oh, we could do a whole show on the, the production of these yeah, films. Yeah, jeez. Because I mean, there were just so many drafts of this. And what this so many drafts, be. so many different casting choices. Yeah, jeez. The, the Catwoman stuff alone. I mean, it, it, they didn't even cast Michelle Pfeiffer first. They cast Benning. Mm-hmm. But she got pregnant. Right. What do you got for your second shot? Uh, my second shot is just a pretty one. I don't think it, it has a bunch of meaning to it. It's just a pretty one. It's after Selena as Catwoman falls through the, uh, the greenhouse. This is post- lick the face of Batman. This is post lick the face of Batman and she <laughs> she springs up and she's in the center of the frame and so the the mask is is torn, you know, you know, crudely about halfway off. So you've got mm-hmm. the the shock of her curly blonde hair sticking out one side and she's disheveled and there there's just tangled of rose bushes and she sort of lets out that howl. Uh, oh. it's just a gorgeous shot. There's something about the light that's really soft and sort of slightly backlit the colors just you know they're all a little muted but the roses seem to pop a little bit it's just a really pretty shot there was so much in this film that 
I could have talked about. There are just so many. This is another one where just every other shot is great. And I just feel like they all, I would have ended up saying the same thing about all of them. So I just went for beauty on this one. Michelle Pfeiffer is a gorgeous woman. This is a gorgeous shot. The, the framing is nice. The balance is nice. The lighting is nice. Sometimes you just want to look at a pretty picture. This is one. Yeah, you know, she has all of the best shots in Batman Returns. And it's not just because she's so photogenic. I think it's because you can do so much with that Catwoman character. There's so many scenes and situations you could put yeah. her in. Um, and the camera really does respond, I think, to the her outfit. The way the light catches that outfit. It's a very cinematic outfit. It is, yeah. Because if you think of even the scene in the... Um, in the Penguin's uh, mayoral office or whatever, his election office, when they go upstairs, she's laying on the bed waiting for him. The way the light captures that and kind of the curve of her hip yeah, that that's in there. And I, I mean, it's just, she gets all the great shots it, because she can deliver, right. she can deliver those moments. And she's got, you know, and she is the, she is the balance to, this isn't going to sound right, but she's the balance to the stiffness of Batman. She's the, you know, I mean, Batman is so, there's, there's no, there's <laughs> no right. way, there's right. no way to describe this as <laughs> Right. Batman's so rigid. He's so, you know, like it's... it's no, I agree, though. It's a stiff movement. And, and, you know, she is fluidity. She is. I mean, that is why the, the suit is that tight. It is supposed to be skin. It is supposed, She is supposed to be feline and graceful and natural. And she is. And the camera, you're right. The camera just loves watching that kind of grace move. And they, they outfitted her well in terms of, you're right, how the light catches that suit every time. How it just seems to move on its own. It's almost like it's just, like she's just liquid. Yeah, well, she, I think she was vacuum sealed into that. She was, yeah. I mean, yeah, the poor thing. Crazy. It sounded terrible. It sounds terrible. Oh, my God. It sounds yeah, horrible. I imagine. Yeah, I mean, she yeah, got like, to wear it for so long. Like, to the, point, the suit was uncomfortable to, to the point of being... Dangerous. Like, she, she could only film a certain Ooh, number. Right, of, yeah, because she's going to pass out after a while. Because yeah. it's going it, to... I mean, it's, it's like being inside the stomach of a boa constrictor. It's, it's suffocating you. Yeah. Yeah, she looks hot as shit until the moment you realize she's actually suffocating. Yeah, then she is really, really horribly <laughs> uncomfortable inside of yeah. that thing. Uh, but you know what's funny is the uh, the way the penguin or Danny DeVito does the penguin in such a literal interpretation of what a penguin is, <laughs> yeah. whereas Michelle Pfeiffer is using only kind of these little cues from how a cat would act because you can catch it, you know, in different scenes where she's. You know, once she's kind of, you know, licking her hand and, <laughs> yeah. and cleaning her face, you know, in another, she's just kind of moving like a cat would, you know, kind of stretching like yeah. a cat would. You know, it's more, it's kind of a more nuanced performance. It's more interpretive. DeVito. Yeah, exactly. And, and DeVito's is just, is, is quite literal. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's I am insane. a penguin. Yeah. And, and in fact, the, uh, the penguin was so frightening that they couldn't even re, they couldn't replicate that for a toy. So they actually Ooh, right. they went yeah. with the whole Burgess Meredith penguin when they released the toys for this. I remember that. I remember that. Because no, yeah. you could I mean that would have been that would have terrified children. Yeah. Not to mention the beak probably would have been really dangerous. <laughs> Good, was serious. Like it, like in the hard plastic that they were making action figures in at that time. Oh yeah. Yeah, you could have killed your friends with that. Yeah, you could have done some tattooing with that nose. <laughs> But yeah, I remember the, the reviews weren't weren't kind to this film. You know, it did it did very well because it was a Batman film. But the but the reviews largely, I think, noted the uh, the level of violence and how dark this movie was, um, and that never really made sense to me because Batman is dark. The first one is dark. You know, it's I, yeah. I, I don't think I don't think Batman Returns is any darker than the the first film. I don't think it is either. 
Um, and it has a more obnoxious. So it, it, I mean, if anything, the storyline's a little lighter. It's a little lighter. It has an. Um, I mean, maybe the villain is a little more obnoxious and grotesque. Right, but but he, but, but, but from a violence and a sadism standpoint, he's milder considerably. Yeah. I mean, the last one yeah. involves the murder of a boy's parents in front of him. Right. This one, a penguin wants to be mayor. Yeah. Yeah, there's a great, you know, I love the humor in this movie. Like when they're, and it's even in smaller moments when Alfred is talking to Bruce Wayne about security and Bruce uh, flips a switch inside the fish tank. And he's like, oh, you're talking to me about security? Who's the one who let Vicky Vale into the Batcave? Yeah. He was like, I'm just sitting there working. And I look up. Oh, hi, Vic. That's you know, a, like, uh, it's that kind of thing. Like that, that kind of dialogue. I, I just, I love it, man. That's an in-joke, you know. Um, an in-joke. The guy, the guy who wrote Batman Returns wrote the first draft of Batman, and it got given to another dude to to punch up, and that other dude added the scene with Vicky Vale going into the Batcave, and the original writer fucking hated it. So he slipped that this joke into Batman Returns to sort of oh, not, so, not awesome. so bluntly say, like, well, you did this really stupid thing. That is fucking brilliant. Yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's, one of the, it's one of the better fuck you jokes slipped into a, slipped into a rewrite. Holy shit. That's an article waiting to be written. <laughs> Damn, I didn't know that. That's, that's fantastic. It's a good story. What do you got for your third shot? My third shot is the, uh, the, the hello there, hell here shot. Oh, mine too. Uh, yeah, you know, it's another one. It's another one that's, you know, the the symbolism is a little obvious, and you know, we don't really need to go into what Tim Merton's trying to say. We get it, um, but it's <laughs> we get you. I got you. But it's, you know, it's it's just there's something there's something that's still subtle about it, and I think what what is subtle about it is that the staging is obvious, but the cinematography is is a little more subtle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's it's moving away from it to sort of give us a little perspective on it. I like all the cats that have started to to show up on the ledges. And again, like you were just saying, there's just something about the way Michelle Pfeiffer inhabits this this shot. Yeah, that this is, is just, what, this is one of the scenes where she's stretching out. Right. Yeah. There's just something very very feline, very graceful. But it's it's again, it's just cinematically, it's just a really beautiful shot. It's another one that's that's nicely balanced, and the just the the added movement of the camera just sort of I don't know, just sort of really increases the perspective on it. It just sort of it. I don't know. It's another one that I just love. Yeah, it's um, you know I love that pop of pink that's coming from yeah. the, the window and or that's coming from the the sign that she's altered. That her meltdown as Selena Kyle as she's transforming into Catwoman is fucking epic. Oh, I love it. You're and right. I, that breakdown is. I, I I'm doing this off the cuff, so I'm just trying to think. I, like it might be my favorite Burton scene. It's just so powerful. Yeah, uh, which is shoving the the stuffed and shoving shoving yeah. the plush animals. I mean, in the right, disposal. Jesus Christ, she's great in that. It's shot great. It's so kinetic. It's so it's so insane. Like like you just that that that's a. I mean, yeah. it's almost Hitchcock Vertigo level in terms of getting you inside the emotion of the moment. While still retaining right. its its authorial verse, like there, like you said, like you get the the, the the sort of the silly stuff with the the stuffed animals and the disposal. That's that's Burton's humor, but that but still, again, here the way it's done is just disturbing. 
You know, it's it's penguins with rocket mm-hmm. backpacks on or whatever those things are. Like, it's weird, but not in a funny haha way. Like, it's just, it's sick. It's it's illness. Yeah, and you know, you know we hadn't seen this no. yet. We You know, the Joker was dropped into a vat of acid and then he became the Joker. We didn't really witness that that. Trans, the the no. horrible transformation that that he had to you get kind of one undergo. Scene we see him at the, yeah, the plastic the surgeon, scene. the underground plastic surgeon, whatever. And you get the one the scene of the psychological effect of being the villain on on him, yeah. and, and that's that's almost what you know. And maybe it's because, like you pointed out earlier, like maybe that's you know in the first one we're getting Batman's psychological journey, and now that that's done, you know, mm-hmm. now we can shift to the villain's psychological journey. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's a fascinating shot. You know, there were other shots I almost I almost picked. Like I love the uh, the shot which which Zapsky uh, probably didn't do, but the, the uh, when the camera's kind of floating through the 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 zoo, oh, the model yeah, of yeah. the zoo, um, in route to the the, the penguins um, uh, location. Uh, you know, I think that's beautiful. I think um, the overhead shot of Selena Kyle after she's fall after Ooh, Max pushes yeah, her through the yeah when the cats the start coming up. I almost when picked that are, one. Yeah, like that's. That's great. I love the end shot when she uh, she pops up the end when the bat signal oh, is shown. Yeah, I, it came. Gosh, wow. Yeah, it came down to that one or the the one that I started with, the Batman and the signal. Yeah, yeah. But this there's shot, just so just, many great shots here. It, it, there, there are. It's just it's it's um, it's a brilliantly shot film. You know, it really is. It really is until you get to until you get to to the 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 Wally Fister stuff with with Nolan. It's it's probably the best shot superhero movie out there yeah i go i go dark knight logan and batman returns i uh yeah don't don't angry tweet me i haven't seen logan yet but i but but i anticipate feeling the same way i I anticipate feeling the same way based on what i've seen of the shots yeah it's it's just uh it's brilliant but it's uh it's not a uh you know logan and batman returns for me are kind of right there as in the two spot so you know either order uh, would be acceptable, but nothing you know. It, it, and it's weird that that the Dark Knight hasn't influenced the cinematography of comic book films more. It seems to be the success of comic book films are, or the aesthetic of comic book films are specific to the characters, and they don't influence uh, other universes really. Because I don't think the Dark Knight influenced. Uh, the Avengers films or the Marvel expanded universe. Um, I don't think Batman or Batman Returns necessarily had a tremendous influence on Schumacher's films um, aesthetically. They they have hints of it. No, yeah, I think but, he was just left over with sets. Yeah, um, and then you this look at a, a movie like Dread, which I think is the most ambitiously shot superhero film. Uh, he's not a superhero film, but it's a comic book film. Um, you know that that film is is full of new approaches to how we see comic book characters, uh, yeah. their use of slow motion and things like that. But but it hasn't it, that hasn't extended out. Um, no, uh, uh, the the Punisher War Zone um, is a visually fascinating film. Oh, the Lexi Alexander. Yeah, one. you know that hasn't that uh, impacted great. the aesthetics of comic book films. So it's just weird, you know that 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 maybe that it's because they come with with aesthetics. Yeah, it's just the the aesthetic is so specific to the universe; it doesn't translate over. Despite, you and know, I think I mean, and the I Dark think the Chief mentioned great, but it doesn't mean that 
you know, it's going to influence the ability of, uh, you know, Civil War to look great or whatever. Well, but I think you also mentioned, with the exception of, of the Batman films, which sort of starts the, the boom of superhero films that, that we're in right now. I mean, I think those, you know, certainly Lexi Alexander's Punisher movie and uh, The Dread, those aren't the industry films we're thinking about. Mm-hmm. You know, like yep. those aren't MCU films where they have to adhere to a general... You know, look across the the stream of films, which which naturally is going to make them more homogenized and plain looking. I mean, you can't be too distinctive when you're going to have five different guys shooting these things yeah. over ten years. Yeah, you know, it just occurred to me though the uh, Batman, I think, influenced the Shadow. I would say. Sure, Russell sure. The uh, the is that the Alec Baldwin one? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know sure. who shot that, but Russell Mulcahy was a director, and I think <laughs> yeah, that sure, has and the it, same kind of. In just the same general sense that that noir did, though, mm-hmm. right? Because the shadows, one of those era. That's true. Fair enough. Yeah, good point. I guess it's probably all stemming from noir. Mm-hmm. The well, spirit, so. to the same degree, Sin City. Yeah, very much so. So, well, yeah, and of course, but that's also largely shot digitally, as written. Yeah, and digitally, and shittily. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> is shittily a word? It should be. It is now. I know what you meant. That's all we got for this week. Be sure to give us a follow so you can be kept up to date on new episodes. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Apple, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please feel free to leave a review and tell other folks about it. If you want to follow me and Jeff, we are both on Twitter. I'm at H. Perry Horton. He's at the Jeff Todd. That's Jeff with a G. And you can follow the site, of course, at One Perfect Shot. We're taking next week off for the fourth. The week after that, we are back with the newest film that we have uh, that we've discussed thus far. We're going to be talking about Jordan Peele's Get Out. Uh, I, for one, am super stoked. You should be super stoked. It's going to be a good conversation. Till then, good viewing. Hey everyone, it's Neil again. Before you go, wanted to remind you once again that this episode that you just listened to is brought to you by Filmstruck, our sponsor all month long. Now you can stream critically acclaimed films and cult favorites from the world's greatest film libraries with Filmstruck. They're very excited to announce that they are now on Roku. As you know, Filmstruck is the streaming service for fans of great cinema and is the exclusive streaming home of the Criterion Collection. You know we love the Criterion Collection. Uh, If you're looking for a wealth of independent and foreign titles updated weekly, then you know the answer is Filmstruck. So get on over to Filmstruck.com and start your 14-day free trial today, especially if you have a Roku.